we're at a stage where I think it's the first time ever where we haven't seen so much institutional and even corporate um, uh, adoption of blockchain technology, right? And not, yeah. not permissioned blockchain technology, actual public blockchain technology, right? This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Bing X and AngelBlock. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. All right, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Actually, to my guests, it's good evening, but it's good morning for me. I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're joining me for another epic episode of Untold Stories, where together we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to truly understand how this movement came to be. So I'm joined by an awesome guest today who actually we've met uh, in, in real life before, and he's going to tell the story, Ahmed Abalagi. Thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories. So you're also the, the founder of your own uh, 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 podcast called The Encrypted Podcast. It's one of uh, the Middle East and North Africa's largest podcasts dedicated to blockchain and crypto assets. You're coming to us from Dubai, which is where a lot of my friends actually moved to over the last few years. One of my friends, we had him on the podcast, uh, 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 Gabby Abed, he actually became the the ambassador for Barbados to United Arab Emirates, a, a crypto friend, like became, a, a, you know, like, a, it's crazy. It's crazy how, you yeah. know, 10 years later or 15 years later, this whole industry is uh, uh, changing. But you're the founder of Beconomy, which has become such a core, core infrastructure uh, piece of our industry that really most people don't even understand why they need you or that they're probably using you guys uh, if they're probably doing something, anything from playing Zed Run or depositing something into a, a, a DeFi uh, contract or whatever, um, you guys, uh, you know, interactions with the de with decentralized applications are not uh, seamless. They require like gas fees, usage fees, things like that. And then sometimes like people don't want to deposit, you know, don't want to spend their ether if they're sending from one token to another. And we actually looked at that. I remember going back in the early years of Ethereum. I thought that was going to be Ethereum's downfall was when they were talking about tokens. I was like, yeah, but then you have to own Ethereum too at the same time when you're spending these tokens and it's too much of like an uphill battle. So first, welcome to the show. Uh, talk about like how you're changing that and uh, tell us a cool untold story. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Um well, before before we get into all of that detail, um, I, one untold story for sure um, is definitely like we definitely did meet in East San Francisco, which was I think in 2019, um, and it was Gabriel Abed basically oh, actually introduced us on WhatsApp, and he said, "Oh, you should meet Charlie in San Francisco if you're there." Um, we met for like two seconds. Um, you're like, who's this guy? I'm a bit busy. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, you, you were, I think you were very busy that, that week. I remember. Um, I remember and, that uh, trip. I remember. Yeah, I remember. It's all coming back to me now. Well, yeah, good to meet yeah, you again. Because you know, I, you, you, I remember you, you were just flying down there and you were there for like a, a couple of days or, or something um, as it was. And yeah, you mentioned Gabriel, who's now the ambassador for Barbados to the UAE. Um, and uh, I was just w was with him actually a couple weeks ago in, in Abu Dhabi where he currently resides. So it's it's just crazy how we're both in that alpha group, right? Uh, he's, you know, good good friend of ours as well. 
um, and how sort of like it kind of all circles back, right, to people in crypto doing like legitimate things, they always will somehow get connected. If not in 2019, they'll get connected like a couple of years later. Like, you know, so it's, I love it's, it. it's amazing how things always circle back. It's still a small world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, especially when I came into this space, I, I, I was in, yeah, I came to this space in 2016 and a lot of like, you know, just going into, um, you know, understanding Bitcoin and like looking at all the like cool things that have been happening. Of course, your name has come across like quite a lot. So I'm also very honored to <laughs> uh, to be on this podcast. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm sure like a lot of other guests as well sort of say the same thing um, when they really look back at the history of. I'm of honored to have you. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you know, but I, I used to be based in Shanghai, um, or at least in the early days around 2016. Um, I, and I don't know if you were there, but all this sort of like ancient Bitcoin and Ethereum sort of like, uh, let's, you know, the sort of the Bitcoin fork or the Ethereum DAO, you know, uh, all of the, the, the craziness was happening in China. Um, I, I don't know if you were there, but I'm sure you'd remember it very well. Those, the, the, the early China Bitcoin years were, were crazy. I mean, those, so many companies came out uh, and you saw a huge, but you saw also a huge, a lot of people left, a lot of people left China, yeah. they left Hong Kong, they left those places where, uh, I, you know, a lot of the early Bitcoin and crypto companies came out of, uh, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. it's a little bit sad, but it's, you know, everyone moves around and it's like communities move and it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you know what's funny is that, you know, lots of people are coming to crypto, you know, during like for NFTs or DeFi or any other reason, which is great. But it, it's just, you know, whenever I meet someone who's like really OG and they've seen that sort of like China, you know, they, they saw all early things that happened in China, right? It's like, it, it's just so um, amazing to see that rapport, you know, all the old memories as well, because not many people have seen that side, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, a funny one as well. I it's funny because I remember, I remember like very specific moments when yeah, China like right. banned Bitcoin or whatever. And there yeah. was like 2013, 2019, probably a few times sprinkled in, but there were always like these, I remember one time I was like in an embassy suites hotel in some, I don't know what city I was in. I remember just picking up my phone about to go <laughs> yeah. out for dinner. And <laughs> I looked at my phone. It was like, China's banning Bitcoin. And I'm like, yeah. again, <laughs> it just, yeah. I think that kicked off a bear market for like a year. I forget which one, but it was just like so many of my personal life moments uh, are stamped in my brain, intertwined with Bitcoin or crypto moments. So I remember, yeah, I remember like sitting um, in a car on my way to when I, you know, gotten out of prison and I was working at this restaurant and I was uh, uh, working, you know, it was like only three months out and I didn't even have a smartphone yet. And I was a dishwasher and I remember just driving on the road and, and the guy, the guy who was driving me to work, who I didn't even know uh, very well yet, he had the radio on and it was like, da -da -da, uh, smart computing platform Ethereum has been hacked and something called <laughs> the Dow, uh, $162 million have been stolen. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is this thing? Ethereum has been hacked. I haven't heard the word Ethereum and since Vitalik was on stage talking about it in 2014, now it's been hacked already. 
Yeah. And it was yeah. just all these little moments. It's so funny. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And I like fast forward to where we are now, right? So it's it's pretty cool. I'm sorry, guys. I know we're kind of going down memory lane, but uh, that's it's, what it's they so love. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, just I guess a quick like general introdu- introduction. Um, yeah, I, I've been in crypto for the past six years. Started off when I was in Shanghai. I was studying Mandarin um, just because it was like that. There was a great scholarship opportunity from from the Chinese government to actually go and study um, Chinese, which I thought, why not? Um, stumbled into Bitcoin and Ethereum then, and like, it's just haven't looked back since then, really, right? Um, I, I now reside in the UAE, and um, I am, uh, yeah, like you said, I'm one of the co-founders at Bioeconomy, and everything that we do really is all about how can we make crypto more accessible? How can we make it very easy to use? And we've been working with, um, a variety of applications. So right now we've relayed over 23 million gasless transactions for over 200 applications who've used our APIs, um, where they basically subsidize the gas fees for their end users. Um, and we've also facilitated over $260 million of like cross-chain volume um, via our other products, which allows for seamless cross-chain transfers. And so Really, what we're building is is a suite of tools that developers could use within their app um, to easily make a customizable transaction journey for their end users, and just to make just transactions just as 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 like they were they are in Web two. Um, so that's a very very high high level. How did you go from like being a just a crypto entrepreneur into like now you're it's like you have a full time job now and you're running this company and everything. A lot of people almost are nervous to do it twice. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting. I mean, I I, I would look. I would say um, there is uh, to to some degree like th- there are a couple of factors, right? So I've um, when I started off in in uh, in China, I was, I was sort of very lucky to to be exposed very early and to understand sort of like just understanding the market and sort of re-navigate the market, understand who's who. Um, how do you differentiate like a scammy project or even a scammy conference from a good one? Um, like all of these things just help shape you, like how you view the market. Um, and I, I was also, you know, fortunate to, to have traveled as well through this company I used to work with called the Metaverse, you know, funny enough. Yeah. Um, they were a bit <laughs> ahead of their time. Um, and I, I moved to actually a VC in Dubai called Jabbar Internet Group, where they were really really looking at um, crypto and security tokens um, back a couple of years ago. And um, it was then when, um, during that time, I was actually advising a project. Um, they were very small. No one knew them. They were called Matic, <laughs> which is now Polygon. Yeah. Um, uh, it's still no Matic was, on some, you know, still market Matic, cap yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. So I think that the, the, the token is still called Matic. But it, it's very funny because, like, when when I saw them along my co-founder, we just thought like, this is great. There's a project that is actually trying to do something and they have a, a demo. Whereas everyone was doing an ICO like pre-product, right? Um, and so, you know, through that, you know, through sort of helping out the, the Polygon team early on and, you know, um, we we're very fortunate that they also helped us, you know, when we started as well at Bioeconomy. Um, we, you know, me and my co-founder, Anika, we got to know each other in, in uh in in china and then it was through sort of an introduction from one of the founding from sandeep from the founders of matic to 
introduced us to our CTO, Sachin. And so what, what happened there was a great osmosis between us three where we were just like hacking on stuff, right, on the side, right? Sachin is a Web2, you know, um, um, developer. He wanted to get into Web3 during the bear market. And me and Anika just helped him through that journey. And he, we were just building stuff on the side. Um, we, we built nodes initially, you know, thinking about security. And then before we knew it, we like thought about, okay, how about we just solve UX for this space? Because right now it's very broken. Um, so it, it was more like a very slow transition. I had like this sort of day job um, running a podcast also as well during that time to then, you know, I, 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 I loved, you know, working with Sachin and Nika as my co-founders. And I thought, you know, why not like what, what we're building, you know, makes sense. And it's something that um, I, I sort of wanted to do full time. Um, and yeah, may that, may that leap of faith. I, I would also say, um, you know, th there's one, one really important thing as well that doesn't really get talked about and is, it's like an unfair advantage. I also had an unfair advantage as well, which is, um, and, and again, like, again, not, not many people have, but it's, I think it's important to talk about is, you know, if, if I fail the, the end, like my plan Z is basically, you know, I could, you know, go back to, to London, um, and like stay in my parents' home. I have a bedroom for me. Right. <laughs> again, not, not many people. I don't have... want to go back to my parents' basement ever again. Yeah. Well, well, that, well, that's the thing. We, we, it's not basement. I have like a dedicated bedroom, right? Bedroom in a basement. There, yeah. There, there is that safety net. Right. Um, and so the, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I have the safety net. There yeah. is, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. Right. But again, I'm very lucky to have that. Right. Um, and I'm sure, you know, and again, like, I, and I think there are so many, like, you know, I'm again, still a struggling founder, right. Where we're still trying to like do a lot that there's still so many things on our roadmap and lots of things that we need to do before we could achieve the things that we need to achieve. But that, that was also a very strong factor in, in making that decision, right. To going back to your, your question of, you know, okay. Like making this, this people faithful. I see what you mean. Yeah. Action. There's that, not knowing that there's going to be some sort of, safety net as bad as that safety net is but you're not you won't be on the street definitely helps exactly uh yeah. you want to propel yourself to new highs and take risks because you know there's a little bit less of a of an issue if if you fail not that that we want that to happen or anything but that's yeah. a really good point to make um and i think that definitely uh is a positive and a negative because on the other side someone who grows up with nothing uh can use it as a positive springboard but also uh, can have like a chip on their shoulder if they, you know, have a family and lost it or something, you know, it could, any situation can be positive or negative. Yeah, um, exactly. Do you guys yeah. only service Ethereum? So we, we service over eight um, uh, different EVM chains. Um, so right now it's mainly EVM. We also work, uh, we are looking to, to work with other chains as well. Um, it's just really a question of bandwidth. Um, so yeah, so, so it's mainly EVM chainsaw. Guys, hot off the press. We've just negotiated with our epic new sponsor, Bing X over $155 in free new user rewards for each of you. Just check them out and click the link below and I'll explain to you who these guys are and why they're offering such an, an amazing award to our Untold Stories listeners. Bing X is a really cool crypto social trading exchange. They offer the usual like futures, spot, derivatives, 
all the good stuff that you guys like to do, all the cryptos and all the different coins that you want to buy, but they also offer a really cool copy trading service and then you can see all their traders over the past few years, how they've performed and you can simply copy their trading. They have over 3 million users, regulatory licenses in the can in Canada, USA, over in Europe, for, through Lithuania, Australia. They got one of the best ratings by 30K. So you know they're legitimate and they're gonna be uh, helping us out and offering you guys this amazing deal. Listen, if you click the link below, uh, there's a new user reward and an extra on top special link bonus. You're gonna get $155 in USDT. The link has everything in there and they're even capping your losses up to $10 if you go in there and try to play around with the copy trading. BingX.com, thank you guys so much for sponsoring us. I'm excited to send some more videos and update you guys on their platform. It really looks nice, it's comfortable to use, you feel safe and secure. You get $150, $155 for free, so why not? Go check it out, BingX, thank you guys. When we buy EVM chains, it's uh, uh, Ethereum, Polygon, Cosmos, um, I'm just, uh, yeah, so Ethereum, blockchains. Yeah, so Ethereum, Polygon, um, most of the L2s like Optimism, Arbitrum, um, BSC as well for sure. Um, um, so yeah, the, these are uh, the main ones. Solana um, on that list. Solana, we don't support because it's it's not EVM and it's right right now. Of course, it requires like a different type of like at least development um, and skills from from our team, which. Uh, we we can do. It's just more of a fact that this needs more time. Yeah, um, of course. To actually, be on. Yeah. I'm looking at a at a chart. My analysts at Investor Place sent me. Uh, it's daily active addresses uh, in millions across blockchains. Now, I don't like the daily active addresses because some blockchains optimize to like have uh, omnibus or like you know. Um, addresses that facilitate smart contracts that facilitate uh transactions as opposed to like one address to another but it's still a decent metric and it shows the top five is as binance smart chain actually it's just called smart chain now solana ethereum polygon and avalanche and then it goes arbitrum flow osmosis cosmos optimism and near do you agree do you agree with this chart yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I have some questions over the stats of Binance yeah, Smart Chain, but you know, um, I mean, look, they are the largest exchange. They have, you know, I don't know how many, God knows how many users they have, right? And to convert those to to actually use their chain, you know, w would be, you know, a, a good percentage. So I definitely wouldn't um, be surprised there. Um, also, at the same time, you know, given the bridging project product that we have. Um, Funnily enough, like the, um, the the third most active chain that we have is finance um, is the BNB chain, right? Um, so I, Why it is that? because it you know I I do believe that you know they have a strong brand. You know it is of course it's cheap to to also use their tech as well. Um, lots of people um, like to have different types of opportunities um, moving from one chain to another, and Binance provides those opportunities to these end users. So um, it's, I, I'm also surprised as well, sort of, you know, seeing that. Binance Smart Chain will be like the chain of highways where people go from one, if you want to go from one chain to the other, you have to cross through BSC. Interesting. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I would have a different view to this because I'm spitballing here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, potentially like there, like, if you think about it, there is a possibility for why could that, that be the case? Because of course you could move your funds to BNB very easily. Right. Um, so from Binance to BNB, but, um, you know, there, there are all these different bridges out there. There are a huge number of them. And the competition is getting really fierce in the sense of you could really go um, easily from one chain to another right now, right? With all the tech that 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 currently exists. And so um, I really do feel like, it, you know, the, 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 the savvy Web3 end user would be able to just decide like where, where they want to go, how they want to go about it, right? Um, and basically, you know, like they... they if if they do want to be on a specific chain, um, you know that's just their preference on like what chain they like, as opposed to um, a chain, you know, being the core router, right? Um, if that makes sense. No, it completely makes sense, yeah. and I and I think that's what we're. You know, we had all these chains that launched to like compete and do the same thing, and I think just based on like physics, maybe we'll see them them like kind of branch out and try to do specific things. A little bit better than than each other yeah no no exactly and i think look we we are seeing um a great deal of innovation right across these um different ecosystems some of them are actual tech innovations others are way more ecosystem plays and bd plays and those are totally fine right like it's it's not necessary that the best tech always wins right yeah <laughs> um interesting point so, yeah and, and yeah, i think I that always going to be the case there were some blockchains launched way back when that were sp- that launched with like big fanfare and billions of dollars. That was like bad tech that ended up being successful for a while just because of yeah. that whole situation. Um, exactly, exactly. So I, I did. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying like it's it's basically repeating the the old like Web two playbook as well, right? Like, and there are countless examples in just Web two or even before like the internet existed where you had maybe better technologies, but the market preferred the other just because of how um, yeah, solid they point. were. I did a podcast a few days, a few weeks ago. Uh, and I was talking to the guests about whether if yield is crypto's killer app, because the ability for uh, the ability to like find those uh, illiquid sources of capital and then be able to to bring that yield to like crypto holders um is what arguably led to like the huge uh explosion in cfi and defi and so i guess my question is across the biconomy uh, uh networks do you think that users are still like going after these uh uh trading fees and maker fees and different type of like yield farming and um being able to participate in liquidity pools, provide yields for like different type of maybe securities tokens eventually? Yeah, good, really good question. Um, we're actually seeing quite the opposite. A lot of the sort of like gasless transactions and all of that is happening more so on the gaming side, the NFT side, and more generally the, the metaverse space. Um, Interesting. The more, the, the more we've sort of looked into it, and if you just look at user profiles and behaviors those people who understand 
the concept of just yields and how they work in DeFi, providing liquidity and all that jazz, right? They tend to be more of, you know, the technical folks who actually understand, you know, what's happening, right? And, and that basically means they might even understand the concept of gas more, right? So the, the bucket of those, of those folks um, who might have, let's say, more capital to spare um, wouldn't probably care much about gas fees and they see that just as a cost of, in a way, doing business on chain. Um, and you really think about from that lens, um, it makes so much sense because even the traditional sort of like finance world, like who, not, no one of your average Joes would come in and actually understand just interest rates alone, let alone all these complex stuff that's happening in DeFi, right? It's so, it's um, so true. Yeah. So, and, and this is why I think NFTs and gaming will always, is always going to bring way more people in than DeFi ever will, right? Just because of the fact that um, DeFi is very complex. Now, we, we could probably see way more capital being brought in by DeFi just because there's fewer people, but they just have a ton more, you know, um, like they have just a huge amount of, of wealth or their whales yes. or they might be institutions that want to do these complex things. But I, I don't see the average person doing it they might do it via a an application or a fintech that's use that's basically creating a, a great front end for DeFi. but that's pretty much it right it's either going to be one end you know super easy super simple on a front end level or to the other extreme where it's you know if you know your sh- I, I, I don't know if i could yeah anyway no, you know your- I- yeah <laughs> i love yeah. how your answer was exactly the opposite of what i thought you were going to say Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you one other thing, right? We are, I cannot name the name, but we are working with a very big global bank, um, which is using Biconomy's APIs. And it's a full-on DeFi solution, which will be announced very, very soon. Um, and like, again, it's going to be like two parties, like it's going to be like two, two major banks, um, I think, well, in this transactional scenario. But again, uh, there will be like, millions let's say you know being flowed there um yeah it's a perfect example i got i was being pitched a company yesterday as part of our fund and they were pitching they were explaining they want to be like a a, a bank that does crypto services and one of the things was it was going to be depositing and with you know withdrawing and depositing is going to be gasless and i said how will that work if someone is holding a token in their wallet how are you going to pay for their gas fee and they didn't have an answer actually but now i have an answer cool yeah yeah great no that's great too um and yeah and, and what, one one big thing as well is um is is like even when it comes to let's say just institutions in general them holding crypto either is a accounting nightmare or their regulators won't allow as well and so there is a need for that type of abstraction um you know at that level too so even being that go-to partner for their public blockchain work is is such a critical thing that that is needed for at least these types of institutions um, that you know that that may know blockchain that actually have the right developers to understand everything that's needed, but they they can't really sure. you know do everything um, to get them to to the final goal they need to be. 
So if you're out there, so then the opposite question, then if you're out there and you're, you are a uh, game developer, you are a gaming studio, you work for a big one, uh, even as big as like, you know, the largest gaming company in the world, uh, Rockstar Games, that's developing the much anticipated Grand Theft Auto 6 eventually. Are they, is everyone now in that world thinking about how to incorporate this Web3 technology into their gaming infrastructure? A hundred percent. I can't speak for Grand Theft Auto because, I mean, yeah, they're a different company. We're not speaking to them, but um, there are some, you know, game publishers or, you know, other traditional, um, you know, companies that have all that sort of experience are very much looking into Web3, right? Like this is happening. So cool. Um, we, 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 you know, we've been speaking to this games publisher that, has 45 million monthly active users and already they have a white paper and have thought about a token right to, to that degree um so so it's really cool to see that one worrying thing that we're kind of seeing in this space is is that there is a big propensity for these um types of companies to go for custodial wallet solutions right now, for us, we're not, we don't really care if it's custodial, if it's non-custodial, it doesn't really matter. But just from a, a security point of view, like if you, look, if you look at both extreme ends, what do you mean? They're <clears throat> taking that one extreme side, which is like, you know, it's custodial, it's fine, we'll just whip up a public-private key pair for each end user because it's easy, they just log in um, via MetaMask or whatever, sorry, they, they log in via a social login they don't need MetaMask or any of that of that stuff, um, but it's the company that owns the private key at the end of the day, right? Um, so, so it's like that in a way. I, I I get why they're doing that, but at the same time, it doesn't really buy super well um, at least from the sense of of a security standpoint, right? Like, what's the difference between that and um, your your current game, which you could yeah, if you want point. to remove an item from an end user, then you could still do it within this. Um, so why are know, they incorporating? What are they doing? What's what's exciting them the most? Is it the ability to have value added uh, skins and characters and avatars that can be transferred from game to game because it's sitting on a blockchain now? Yeah, that, that would. So if you're a games publisher and you have many different types of games, that is a really big advantage, right? That's something they could easily um, come in and, and do. Um, and then there is a concept of actually adding more value to, um, you know, um, to these types of, um, like the, the fact that there could be a sort of a marketplace or there could be value added to a token um, that could even drive more, you know, different types of engagement um, at the gaming level as well. So it's it's basically like they, they could easily adopt, they could easily adopt the Web2 sort of mindset of how they, you know, um, work you know how they create games with current with their current user base but using web3 as a way to like see what else is possible um and uh yeah i mean that that's what we're we're, we're currently seeing at least what are our shortcomings now then are we ready for the next bull market <laughs> good question um it's it's funny because um you know we're 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 at a stage where I think it's the first time ever where we haven't seen so much institutional and even corporate 
um, uh, adoption of blockchain technology, right? And not, yeah. not permissioned blockchain technology, actual public blockchain technology, right? We've never seen this amount, um, you know, before. Um, and I think what we've seen before in terms of bull markets will be nothing compared to what we'll probably see in the next couple of years. Um, I still think we're too early. Um, the market is still not as mature because we still need to get rid of, of, of some players, right? Like, you know, people who are just coming in for, you know, the quick buck. Um, but also a lot of infrastructure needs to be built out, right? Um, it, it kind of goes back to that example that I heard one investor um, use before. I can't remember the name, but I always talk about it, which is the airport versus inf the, the airport infrastructure versus airplane, right? Um, if you think about it, like airplanes came first, but before they came, before they were able to be used for, you know, worldwide use, you needed the infrastructure, right? But there was a, over the years, it was this balancing act, right? Where one came first and the other had to go after them, and then the other one, you know, went another step ahead. So I feel like the same is holding true for like Web3 use cases and dApps versus the infrastructure that supports them. Hey guys, I want to take a second and talk to you about our newest sponsor, angelblock.io. It's about that time in the bear market that we actually have to take a look at which projects have taken the do's and the don'ts from all the previous waves, bull and bear markets that we've had and build out real decentralized projects that are going to be successful and take this blockchain and crypto world out we're into the next level. Traditional fundraising is very clunky and traditional investing in crypto is very clunky as well. I know, I'm a VC at Drew Adventures. AngelBlock is really, really cool and it's a new DeFi protocol that's solving not only the issues of fundraising for digital assets, but more compliance, transparency, real decentralization. They have on-chain governance, staking, lending, secondary marketplaces for the trading of tokens, all these different ways that you can actually interact with the startup and the token and the project that you're actually investing in. There's a whole community here. AngelBlock is that new compliant platform that's safe and easy to use in order to weed out all the scams. It's so cool. It's built on top of Ethereum, but it's multi-chain by design. <clears throat> They'll also be involved in the mentoring process. There's a phenomenal community that AngelBlock has built. It doesn't cost anything. Go check out the community. Go to their website, angelblock.io. Sign up to their email to stay up to date. You'll have a chance to win some really cool AngelBlock NFTs. And this is only for Untold Stories listeners. Thank you, guys. I think it's a very good, it's a very good point. I like that airport analogy. I'm going to use that. Yeah, please do. Yeah, it's not, it's not really my analogy. I kind of stole it from someone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's how I always think of it. So, I mean, I still think we're in the building the infrastructure, airport infrastructure phase yeah. before, you know, these planes could take off. So having transactions be, be gasless where the, the gas is potentially paid by another person was definitely like a key hurdle to, for continued mass adoption. Um, well, another big hurdle is, and I don't know the answer to this, how are things priced? In the metaverse is everything just priced in dollars and then there's like an exchange rate at some point in time yeah that's a good question um i think it it really depends from one metaverse to another one platform to another um i was literally just speaking to a gaming um like there are think of them as a football manager but on web3 sure. they're called for him um 
and they were li- I was just I mean I'm one of I'm a very small angel investor but they were just talking about like if we're on this chain we might price in ETH if we're on that chain we might price in USDT USDC or something and it was just interesting to see like why things could be priced in in ETH itself um, because it's of course ETH has become you know this sort of currency that people are okay in actually um, using for you know NFT purposes. Sure. Um, we, we are also seeing, of course, like lots of fiat on ramp solutions and this idea of NFT checkout, which will be a really big um, way of at least allowing people to own their first NFT, right? Um, so it's it's honestly going to be a variety of, of ways that you know the, these platforms will be able to um, to enable. Um, this sort of pricing um, for example Decentraland is one of our clients um, they their marketplace is all driven by mana right so that the token mana is basically the currency used in their marketplace is Decentraland I just saw the other day that Decentraland is hosting like a crazy music festival with um, yeah some really big names presented by Kraken you got Ozzy Osbourne Soldier Boy Dylan Francis, 100 artists, November 10th to 13th, 15 unique stages, and it's in it's in it's in Decentraland. So, oh wow! Cool. I guess the and they're working with Billboard. It's like so. The question is to to you, why? I mean, I, I could think of some cool answers of why, but like, why uh, are people are would people want to go to a music festival in the metaverse? That's a good question. I mean, I I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to hear your answers for that. I, I could think of an answer. Um, Go on. So I have, a, I have a friend who we've known each other for like 10 years, and we live in a far distant place, and we never see each other. And when we do, it's like for fleeting moments. But we're yeah. both into <laughs> this very type of music, and we both yeah, okay. work every day in crypto. So what if we literally just spend a few hours going from stage to stage, chatting along the way in Decentraland. I mean, I, I'm just thinking out loud. It's it's kind of cool. It's like a way to like rebuild that relationship. I don't know. Nice. I mean, look, I, I think it's, I, I mean, that, that is definitely one point and it makes a lot of sense, right? And and it's just the, the fact of, you know, we're, we're always going to be more closely connected as society. And this kind of just like propels us to that next level. Um, so it's, it's definitely not a, you know, it's not a surprise, I would say. Um, and it's also easier. It's just more distributed. Anyone like if, I mean, lots of people can't get visas just to enter the U S alone. Um, let's say for whatever reason, maybe a concert, but with, with this, that they could, you know, in a way be in that type of environment. It's Um, getting really bad to like, to not be U S citizen and want to just visit the U S it's, it's very it's very difficult now. When I was younger, it wasn't like anyone could just come, I feel like. But now uh, I have one of my best friends. He's He's been with, with uh, his partner for a few years now. And for one reason or another, she can't come to the U.S. And it's like, I can't see him now. It's It Crazy. sucks. I don't know what's going yeah. on here. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, we're, we're just like scratching the surface of, of politics that we probably don't want to go into. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you... What would you like to see uh, Biconomy be in like a future Web3 world? Like if you had to compare yourself to a company of today, are you like Google, Amazon Web Services? Are you, uh, uh, you know, Cisco? Where do you, where do you, where do you kind of mm-hmm. place yourself? 
That's that's a really good question. I, I actually always say it's kind of like a blend between um, Stripe and Twilio. Um, oh, great. So, and the reason being is because we, we kind of do, there's a lot of messaging that, that, that is happening or let's say communication, which is sort of the Twilio side, but there's also a lot of value transfer, um, you know, by at least a la like Stripe, right? And so um, I kind of see it's a, it's a blend between those two. And it really being that like one point access for developers who, you know, always want to, you know, have a, a cleaner, smoother onboarding and transaction experience. That's what you're right. Twilio. I remember Twilio was such, it doesn't get enough credit, but really fundamentally changed the interaction between SMS and, and the internet. And like anytime you do two factor with SMS, by the way, if you're doing two-factor authentication with SMS, don't stop it. People can hack your cell phone yeah. number and take all your cryptos and everything and your banking and everything. So don't do it. Use Google Authenticator, the YubiKey, who we've had on the show, the Yubico company, or there's some uh, um, Norton. I think Norton has their own. There's these authenticator apps, just public service announcement. Don't use. But the ability to like do that and then for politicians to text us those lovely political messages is because of Twilio. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned it because, um, because uh, it's, it's definitely something, you know, that people like use without them knowing, right? And it's going to be to the extent that, you know, Biconomy is even used without people knowing like what's under the hood, right? And so um, we're, we're even going to be, um, like we're, I, I, I sort of don't want to shill too much, but we're going to be launching um, uh, Biconomy SDK um, next month, which is basically a new, uh, let's say, product involvement from our side where we're bringing in all the different things that we've been doing that have currently right now, they've been in existing like siloed tech stacks. Um, and we're kind of bringing everything together under just one banner, which is the Biconomy SDK. Um, and this SDK will allow for the gasless transactions we usually do. Um, it will allow um, end users to pay gas in a different token. So it's like you want to send USDC, you could pay gas in USDC, right? Um, and uh, really of course, cool. the cross-chain communication side of things as well. Um, and so like, and, and there'll be other modules, but like, um, you know, this is something that we're actually going to be releasing um, and we're going to be sort of having a private beta launch with, with a couple of key folks, um, which will basically like have this as, as the, the main thing that that will be doing, to be honest, because um, we realize like having different products, naming them as well, kind of creates brand confusion. And especially if, if they need to have different ways to integrate also kind of confuses that developer experience. And so it's also about how can we make the developer experience and integration like, like super easy, right? Um, and, and the SDK is, is, is definitely a part of that. I appreciate you. We went into some really good subjects today and, and learned a lot. Ahmed Al-Balagi, uh, founder of Biconomy, um, really, really excited uh, that you gave me a lot of topics to research after we, uh, we finished the show today. And I'll and I'll hopefully next time I'm in Dubai we get to hang out soon. For sure. If there's one more topic you'd like to research, and this is a probably an episode of its own, it's account abstraction. It's a bit more technical, 
Um, but if you just check out the ERC4337 account abstraction, um, this is a lot of what our SDK is kind of built on, but it's Vitalik's vision for how Ethereum should have been, and they're currently putting this in, in place um, uh, to, to some degree at least, right? But you, you should definitely check out. I think, I think you, you'd like it a lot. What is um, it? ERC what? 4337. Um, yeah, you should, it should, you should definitely check out. Right now, it's literally like a bunch of nerds on a Discord channel and Telegram channel and like some specs online. And it was a really big theme in DEFCON. I was in DEFCON last week for in, in Bogota. Um, but like it's gaining a lot of ground and shape. And uh, it's, it's going to be a core backbone of, of how... Ethereum will be and also maybe may, may lots of other things as well. All right, I'm reading a tweet. I have a tweet thread that Vitalik wrote or, and like two weeks ago, and I'm going to read it after we finish yeah, here. Yeah, please go for it. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And, uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm awesome. sure you'll enjoy it. This is wonderful. All right, thank you so much. Cool. Have a great for day. Sure.